So this morning we're going to continue on our series, uh, on our marriage series. How many of you enjoyed last week? Was that good or what? just want to review a little bit last week, just, just what we talked about and how, you know, it's important for the, the husband to be the head and to do his part and for the wife to be her, her part, the helpmate, and that, you know, it's, it's valuable if the wife is the helpmate. Amen. A lot of times the, the, the wife or you women might not like being called to help mate. But if you really see it the way God sees it, it's a very important role. Amen. I mean, you can either make the man or break the man. Right. And some of you women have looked at your husband from time to time and go, if you don't stop it, I'm going to break you No, But but last week was good. I really, really enjoyed it. This week, we're going to uh, want to take from another example of a marriage in the Bible. Uh, of, of Ahab and Jezebel. How many of you know that story of Ahab and Jezebel? It's a great story. It's a sorry marriage, but it's a great story, but we can learn a lot from it. Amen? So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. We're continuing our series on Once Upon a Marriage. And I want to talk to you ladies again this morning first. Ladies, how many of you battle with wanting to do things your way? How many of you just, you got to have it your way? I mean, the, the kitchen's got to be your way. The dishes in the dishwasher have to be your way, right? Okay, ladies, I'm glad you're being honest. And, and this morning, we're talking about controlling women. And we're also talking about passive men. So, men, how many of you struggle with, with being out in the workplace and being a champion, being a warrior in the workplace, I mean, you're like, you're giving it your best. You're, you're taking the authority. You're running with the, with the team of horses behind you. And you're all week long, you're running and, and you're, just, you're just taking charge over your, your business or over what you're responsible for, maybe even your hobbies. But then when you get home, you tend to just lay back. How many of you men struggle with that? You know, you, if you're a little passive, try, try to raise your hand this morning. Now, all you controlling women that are sitting next to a passive man, if he doesn't want to raise his hand, go ahead and raise it for him. (laughs) You know you got to raise your hand. This morning, we're going to talk about a passive husband and a controlling wife. It's a big issue, amen? Let me give you a little bit of context. King Ahab was a seventh king of the northern kingdom of Israel. He ruled for about 20 years from 875 to 855 B.C. He was a very strong military and political leader. Though he made things happen, he was very laid back at home. King Ahab, if you understand, had the ability to turn the heart of the children of Israel back to God. I mean, he was finally the man that had the authority and and the gumption inside of him to turn the children of Israel back to God. But something happened. And the Bible actually says that he was one of the most evil kings. He was more evil than any king that had ever come before him. And you go, man, what happened? I mean, it says he was a strong military leader. But when he got home, he got laid back and he became passive. Ahab Ahab basically represents the passive husband and Jezebel represents the controlling wife. Go with me to Chapter 21, starting at verse 25, and then we'll back up again from there. But I want to give you this verse just to kind of set everything up. Verse 25, it says it like this. I got some wind issues. 
Here we go. It says, No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Ladies, I want you to look around the room at the other ladies and say, Sister, you got some influence. That's my best female impression. I mean, and y'all didn't even do it. I mean, I, I stuck my neck out on the line, and no, no woman ever turned around and said, you have influence. You ladies might not know it, but you have more power than you think. <laughs> Come on, Miss Mary. I'll back that up, Miss Mary. You got more power than anybody else in this room. <laughs> So let's start with the passive husband this morning. Can we do that? Ladies are going, yes, let's start with the husband first. Okay. Let's go to verse 2. I will actually take off from verse 1. It says, Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who, who owned a vineyard in Jezreel, in, in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, he said, uh, Since your vineyard is, is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use it as a vegetable garden. I will, give you a, a, I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down from my ancestors. So Ahab, King Ahab, went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. Different versions of the Bible said he was sulking over a vegetable garden. Can you imagine? So he goes out, he looks out of his window, and there's this man's got this nice vineyard right next to his palace. And he goes, Man, I'd love to make that a nice vegetable garden. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a man growing vegetables. For all you vegetable growers, amen. But he goes out, and remember, he's a military leader. He's a king. And he goes out, and he asks a guy to buy his vineyard, and the guy says no. And he gets angry, and he goes home, and he he doesn't eat. He lays in the bed, and he starts pouting. Down here in Louisiana, we call it boudin. He drug his lip all the way back from uh, Naboth's place, and he got up in his bed, and he pouted. You sell me a vegetable garden. I had plans for a vegetable garden. <laughs> Ahab simply said, no, this guy, this guy was a military leader. I mean, think of like a, a general that we see on the news today. A military general. He's, he does well. He's a great king. He's a mighty man in the world's eyes, but when he gets home, he turns into a pansy. Amen? Listen, I, I, I work for some of the hardest people I, I believe there is to work for. And, and I never saw their home life, but I'm, I'm fully convinced that when they got home, they took their pants off and gave it to their wives. You, you know people like that, right? I mean, there's nobody here, right? So he goes into negotiations and Naboth just tells him, no, he says, no, I'm not selling it. I'm not giving you what has been passed down to me. 
you're not getting it, so just forget about it. How many of you know when, as men, when we, when we go out to play, if we don't have a chance of winning, what do we do? We grab our ball, and we go home, and we pout. Why? Because we can't win. Right? A passive man can never win. So he's always defeated. Right? Listen, I fight all day in the business world. We fight contracts. We fight negotiations. We fight about this one said this, and this one said that, and you're standing up. You're manning up to people. No, you said this. No, you, no, you said this. This was the kind. I don't want to come home and fight. Right? Y'all know my theory. I see home as Big Bird's Nest. And I want to come home and I want to just get nice and comfortable in Big Bird's Nest. Right? But how many of you know there's problems at home? There's decisions that need to be made at home. Right? Now, how many of you men know that when you get home, your wife may have been battling too? But that's what Ahab did. He went home and he pouted. I mean, you, back in the day when I, I, I'll share a story with you. I went to a high school the other day in Moss Bluff, and I was looking at a job, and, and the, then the bell rung, and we're, they're building a new athletic dorm, I mean, a new athletic facilities. And so I'm looking at this project, and we're standing there, and the bell rings, and, and all these kids come walking across the campus. And I just kind of look. You know, I hadn't been to a school in a long time, and all these boys got these book bags on. SpongeBob, and all these little cartoon characters. You follow what I'm saying? And let me tell you something, it threw me back. I went, it just, I, I could see what I looked like. It was just like, what the? Are you kidding me? I got furious. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the guy and this, I'm just like, man, so can you believe what they're wearing? He goes, man, it's kids these days, man. I'm like, kids these days, nothing. That is. I said, man. I said, when I was in high school, I was trying to be a man. Right? You ain't going to catch me with a SpongeBob book bag on. Even though I went home and maybe watched SpongeBob or whatever else it was. My day was Scooby-Doo. But you go home and watch Scooby-Doo. You didn't let your buddies know what you was watching. Right? But I mean, they're walking through school, proud as could be with a SpongeBob bag on. I'm going, what happened to this world? I got in fury. I'm like, man. So I got to the church the next day, and I was talking to Pastor Josh and Pastor Zach. I was like, man, you never believe what I saw. And they were like, and I told them, and they were like, well, yeah, where you been? I'm like, man, y'all have to deal with these guys. Man, back in my day. We call that a wuss. Man, boy comes walking through with a SpongeBob bag on. You're like, dude, what's wrong with you? If I don't, we were trying to grow facial hair. I mean, it, walk around with your chest poked out. Talk trash. Oh, man. You just got to call it what it is. Amen. And I cleaned it up for church. We call that a wuss, but you know, I mean, anyway. You know, in, in marriage, when a man feels like he can never measure up to what his wife expects, if he's not careful, he becomes passive. He picks up his ball. 
He goes back to his room, and he whines. Right? Because man don't want to fight with a woman. Right? Man wants to be nice with woman. Right? Now, come on, man. Let's just be real. It's church, but hey, we're real. Right? Man wants to come home, and he wants to know that the woman has respected him for being out in the workplace. Right? And he wants to rub up against her after he takes his bath and gets all the phone call of it. Right? And then his vision for that day is like, it's magical. Amen? He don't want to come home and fight. Right? But you know what? When a man comes home and he can never get anything right at home, you know what happens to him? He takes his ball and he goes to his room and he cries. He might not literally cry, but in, in, in essence, that's what he does. He shuts down. I, I know a man right now, he's, he cannot do anything right at home. When I first met him, I saw, you know, we'd go hang out, and I saw that he, he, man, he never had to wash dishes. He never had to fold clothes. I mean, he, like, gets home, takes a shower, gets in the recliner, sits back, and, like, she's just all over the place serving him. And I'm like, man, what did I miss? I mean, you know, you catch him outside, you go, dude, what are you doing? I mean, what's the secret here? I mean, how do you get her to do that? He goes, oh, it's no secret. I just can't do anything right. I can't fold the clothes right. I can't clean the dishes right. He says, I just quit. I come home and I do nothing and she does it all. Now, for an instant, I went, shoot, that'll work. (laughs) I'll just be real with you. I was like, hmm. But the problem is that ain't going to fly at my house. You see, my wife's not like that. And I thank God for that. Amen? Amen. The passive man, it's, it's sad, it, right? It's disgusting, honestly, to see a man that can't make a decision. You know, as a pastor, you, I, I hear women say all the time, you know, my husband, he just won't lead us. He won't be the spiritual leader. He won't do this or he won't do that. And I'm going, God, man, what's wrong with these guys? I'm starting a men's Bible study because honestly, I just, I'm passionate about men. I'm tired of seeing pansies. So if I invite you to the Bible study, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a pansy, okay? I, I need some other strong men with me, but you don't, I had to set that up. I mean, correct that or whatever. So don't get offended. Put your big boy drawers on. But it's just sad to see a man that won't make a decision. Amen? So let's look at the controlling wife. Go with me to Kings 21, five, starting at verse 5. So Ahab comes back home. He's pouting. He's boudin, laying in his bed. He won't eat. Here comes his wife, Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, her name actually means, where is Baal? So you know she's trouble, right? Baal was a false god that they worshipped, and they fell into the worship of Baal. And her name literally meant, where is Baal? <laughs> she was the one that his mama told him not to hang out with. Right? So here we go. So, so Ahab went home angry and sullen because Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. And here comes his wife Jezebel with the pants on. And she says, what's the matter? Jezebel asked, what's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me the vineyard and he trade. He told me no. Watch what she says. Are you not the king of Israel? 
Men, how many of you, your wives have ever talked to you like that? I needed it. Come home pouting about the company. And she goes, are you not the boss? Yeah, I'm the boss, but you don't understand. Fire him. Okay. Do it tomorrow. Are you the king of Israel or not, Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about the dead gone vineyard. I'll go get it for you. Now, I know you men have heard this before when your wife has had a hard time and you get home and you want grapes and a bath and a rub on the feet, right? But she's like, I need some help. But you come inside and you sit on the recliner and you kick your feet up and you grab the remote control, right? What happens? She starts slamming dishes, right? That's the first sign. Right? Then she starts closing cabinet doors, right? Harder than she normally does. You're like, uh-oh. Trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. <laughs> trouble been coming my way since I got home. And, then, and you know what happens, right? She wants you to get up and help, but what she's, she's got that, I'll do it myself. You know what gets me is plumbing. Can I just be honest? Plumbing. I mean, this, was it this morning I had to fix the toilet? Last, last night. No, it was this morning. I'm, like, I'm in the spirit, okay? I'm studying my message and I'm, I'm preaching in my mind. I'm going there. She goes, hey, the toilet won't quit running. I'm like, I was like, well, you get it. Yeah, that's what I felt like. Said, you get it. Well, she just said, hey, the toilet ain't running. Need to get it. I was like, dang it. Hmm. Ladies, men have insecurities. We really do. We hide them. You know, when you see men that are real strong outwardly and they're real aggressive and real, they bark a lot. You, if you look close, they, they tend to have more insecurities, right? <laughs> we used to think that a man that talked strong and cussed a little bit and said things like he was really tough. But when you really get to know him, he has insecurities. Those insecurities go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where, when, when, God, when God told, he said, that, he said that he's created everything and he's happy with it. He said, but it's not good for man to be alone. Right? You remember that verse? It's not good for men. When men are alone, they lose their keys. They don't bathe as often. They quit brushing their teeth. They quit shaving. Come on, you know how it is when you ain't around. My wife's leaving for a week. My face is going, hallelujah, we don't have to shave. I can eat what I want. We have insecurities we have to deal with. But you know what? I've never seen a man walk out from underneath a constantly complaining wife a better man. I've never seen a man come out of that. Ladies, you have the power to make a weak man stronger. But you also have the power to make a weak man weaker. Amen? A godly woman will make a weak man stronger. But a a complaining, controlling wife will make a weak man weaker. 
You'll send him further into his man cave. Amen? You'll send him further. He may go out and win all day in business, but when he come home, he's like a whipped puppy. You've seen a puppy that's been abused, right? You grab the newspaper. Right? I see men like that. Ladies, you have the power to change that. Now, he needs to understand his God-given right also, and he has his responsibility also, but you have the power to change that. Jezebel tore Ahab down. There's two things she did that I want us to see this morning. The first thing she does is is she belittles her husband with her words. Look at verse 7. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded, get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. She cut his legs right from underneath him with her words. I remember a couple years ago, I walked in and my wife, and I'll just expose her for a minute, but she was complaining on the phone to one of her friends about me. You want to know what that did to me? That was a swift kick between the legs. Talk about step on your pride. Talk about make you feel belittled. And instantly she, she knew what she did. And she got off the phone and she came and said, baby, I blew it. And I can honestly say she hadn't done that again. She realized what it did. And she learned and she changed. You know, the Bible says that with, with your words, you have the power to give life or death. How dare you go get around your other friends and complain about your husband? You say, oh, it's, it's venting. No, you vent to God. And you talk good about your husband. Amen. Even though you got 100% truth to talk about him with, you still don't use that. Amen. Even though it's true. Yeah, he's a lazy bum when he gets home. You don't have to go tell everybody. And you may need to encourage him to step up and do something better. Amen. Heard a story about a guy who was very passive and he met with his pastor and he was like, I just don't know how to take the lead. I don't know how to take control of my marriage. I I don't know. She won't follow. She's very strong and and I don't know what to do with her. And the pastor encouraged him. He says, it's your God given right to be the leader and this and that. And you need to step and walk in. And he goes, well, how do I step into that? And he goes, do this. He said, go home tonight. And right before y'all get in bed, grab her hand, say, we're going to pray. And he said, then, then y'all kneel down, do whatever you do, and then pray. Pray for your family, pray for your marriage, pray for yourself, pray for your wife, and just pray. And then you just continue to do that, and little by little, you'll gain control or re- regain the control of your, of your marriage. So the guy goes home, and that night he grabs his wife, and, and he begins to pray. And they get up from prayer, and she goes, is that how you going to pray? God ain't going to listen to that. Are you serious? You call that praying? And that breaks my heart. You know what she should have done? And I'm very serious when I say this. She should have put the biggest lip lock on that brother when he finished praying and had some of the greatest 30, 40 minutes of his life, right? Right? Because what you encourage is repeated. Right? What's appreciated is repeated. She should have put it on the brother. 
He might have got up and prayed again. I would have. I was like, shoot, because I'm always looking for what works. Right? I mean, I'll pray the exact same way. Word for word. And when I'm done, I'm going. I ain't no fool. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Tore his legs right from underneath him. The second way a a controlling wife makes a weak man weaker is she simply just takes over. Ladies, you know you've had enough a time or two, right? I mean, you've said it a hundred times. The toilet needs to be fixed. I remember we were living in Jennings. Oh, gosh. And we remodeled the house, and I had, I don't know, it was like 12 or 13 doors that I, I painted but the paint peeled off of them. And so I got frustrated and threw them in, the, in the, the shed. And so we didn't have any doors hung. And it was the doors, right? Yeah. There's so many, it's hard to remember. But And, and so I, they went to Lowe's. They gave me some new doors. I hung the doors unpainted. I was going to paint them in the house. Well, they're hung, <laughs> right? <laughs> I even put the knobs on them. I'm like, they're white. <laughs> Trim's white. <laughs> So about a year goes by. I dodged that bullet for a year. One day I come home. The doors were painted. She wasn't nice to me that night. Are you hearing me? She wasn't nice to me. She had enough. She did it herself. Early in our marriage, before we actually moved to Jennings, I remember I was trying to to buck up and take control of the family, take control of the marriage, you know, because there was something rising up in me. I'd become a Christian again and, and felt God doing something in my heart. And I remember I was trying to make decisions because I would never make decisions. And we were young. This was before kids. And, and I remember one day we got in this big old fight. And I was like, why won't you ever let me make a decision? And she goes, because I don't trust you. I went, I swallowed my pride. I went, and I went, I went to my quiet place and I said, Lord, help me. I want her to trust me, help me to lead. I don't know how to lead. I had Pastor Bubba I could talk to. He, he began to teach me some things and, and slowly but surely I began to lead my family like I was supposed to. And where we are today is, is one of the greatest things Cheryl does for me is that when it's time to make a decision, I'll ask her, you know, what do you think about that? How do you feel about this? Because, men, you don't need to run the show by yourself. She is your helpmate. It's God's kind way of saying, man, you need some help, right? You need to listen to her. Doesn't mean you have to do what she says, but you need to listen to what she says because God gives her a different kind of sense, a different kind of feeling about things. There's been times I had it, my mind bent that I was supposed to go this one direction. And she said, I, I just, I'm sorry, baby. I have a check in my spirit about that. I don't, I don't feel right. I don't think. And so I, what do I do? We're not united. I don't make a decision. I wait. Right? But you know how she blows my chest up now? It's when I tell her about this big decision we got to make. And I'm scared. I'm shaking in my drawers. And I'm going, man, I, baby, I don't know what to do. And she looks at me. She goes, baby. I know that you're a man of God. 
I know that you hear from God. And I'm behind you 100%. I mean, it takes a day for that to come down. I mean, it's like shirts don't fit anyway. She builds me up and she encourages me. But you know what that also does to me, ladies? You need to know this. That puts the old shoots in me. Because she now goes, I'm not in control, buddy. You're the man of the house. Remember that time you told me you were the man of the house? <laughs> buddy, you are the man of the house. Remember, you're the prophet, priest, and king. <clears throat> Act like she don't do that, but no, seriously. But that's what it feels like on my end, and I'm going, oh, shoot. Now I got to hear from God. Now I got to make a decision. Now I got my family riding my back. And they're affected by my decision. Okay, you know what that makes me do? That makes me go into prayer harder. It makes me get closer to God. It challenges me to get it right. Amen? That's what that does. That's what a woman is supposed to do to a man. I am so grateful that God gave me Cheryl. Because if I had a passive woman, we'd be in bad shape. Right? God gave me a strong woman. She battled with letting go of the control. She really did. She struggled for years of letting it go. For years, we fought about the finances. Who's supposed to do it? You're the head of the household. You're supposed to do the finances. Listen, I tried to take the checkbook one time. It was bad. You follow me? I'm not good in math, and I don't like checks and books and she's better at that than I am. But you know what I learned? So we went from one extreme where I wrecked the finances. I gave it back to her. She resurrected the finances. And then I just stepped back because I knew I couldn't do it right. I went and got in my little room. And I said, I don't have to worry about the finances anymore. But she's not built to carry that financial pressure. Amen. And she started breaking down. She says, I need you to at least come alongside of me and see what's going on and help me make some financial decisions. And so it, it took a little bit of a battle, but now we, we sit down and we look at the finances. She writes all the numbers. She does all the calculations, and there's not a whole lot to play with. But, I mean, it's, you know, she does all that, and, and, and I help make the decisions. Are you with me? I carry the weight. She keeps the weight on the trailer. Amen? But it took a while to learn that. Are you with me? So she's had to learn how to let go of control as I began to take control. Are you following me? My prayer was, after that day we had that argument, she said, I don't trust you. I went and prayed, and I said, Lord, what what do I need to do? He said, this is what the Lord told me. He said, you need to lead in a way that she will follow. You see, because I'm kind of extremely this way and extremely that way. Okay? I can go extremely hard or extremely soft. My weakness is the middle ground, balancing those two out. You follow me? So in my mind, I was going, okay, (laughs) I'm going to take control. Seriously, I was becoming a dictator. It's my way or the highway, baby. Are you following what I'm saying? And God said, no, you need to lead in a way that she will follow. So it took a little bit of time. Amen? Men want to win. And listen, I've tried to dress the kids before. Train wreck. Nothing matches. I can't do girls' hair. Look at me. 
I've tried. I've sent them to school with some jacked up looking braids and the thing would be on the side right here. And thank God she didn't see it. But if she would come in and say, oh, God, you can't ever get it right. What I do? Sure. Right. It's all how you handle it. Amen. All right, man, it's your turn. (laughs) Don't be so excited. Maybe the reason Jezebel felt like she needed to take control was because Ahab had given up control. Right? Now, listen, I understand there's lazy men in this world. I understand if if you don't do something, ladies, nothing's going to ever get done. I'm not expecting you just to let your finances go to a wreck or or let your home life go to a wreck. But what I'm saying is is that you got to find a balance and you got to know when to step out of the way and let him take responsibility for his actions. Amen? You got to learn how to get out the way. You need to pray and get out the way. Right? And that men, there's no excuse. God has given us the responsibility to lead. Amen? I'm going to keep preaching until somebody says amen. Scripture is very, very clear that the husband is to be the head of the household. Paul says, Paul says it like this. God made the man first and then he made the woman. You follow me? It's not an issue of who's in power or authority over the other. It's an issue of position. It's not power. It's position. Men, you need to see it this way. God didn't give you all the power over her to power her. He gave you the position to take the responsibility for what you do. Amen. You're a man. He made you a man. So act like a man. Come on. Take the reins of your household and drive that thing somewhere that God wants it to go. It's your God-given responsibility to lead your house. And especially to lead your wife. God wired you to do that. He did not wire your wife to do that. The reason she's frustrated is because she's doing what she's not supposed to be doing. Amen. Every time my wife gets frustrated, not every time, but when my wife gets frustrated about things, I have to sit back and go, okay, what am I missing? That was the whole struggle with the finances. It was like she was getting frustrated with the finances and I was missing the part that I needed to come along and make the decisions and carry the weight. You follow me? That's my responsibility. If my finances go wreck, it's my responsibility. God's looking at me. Right? It's my God-given responsibility. You don't have to teach a man to lead. Men are born leaders. Just like you don't have to teach a dog to bark or a woman to nag. Just joking. Just joking. Just had to slip that one in there. You should have seen y'all's faces. But you awake now. I might get a lick later, but you awake now. But you don't have to teach a man to lead. All you got to do is just step out and lead. Make your mind up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to blow it. Get back up. Knock the dust off your knees and keep going. Amen. That's why you need other men around you. It's sad when I hear a woman say, he won't lead our family spiritually. Go, man, I don't understand that. That's one thing I've never struggled in. I've always been the spiritual leader of my house. And I know some men struggle with that. And I also know some women expect their husbands to be a theologian. I can't even spell that. 
And ladies, let me let you in on something. There's only a few men in the world that have ever really become a theologian. Amen? Celebrate what you got and encourage him and he'll keep on doing it. Right? So let me give you three areas, men, that you're called to lead. The first one is God calls us to be the provider. You need to have a job. Amen? You need to do your job well. The Bible says the work is though you're working for the Lord, not for your boss. You need to understand that. You need to stop seeing him as your boss, and you need to start seeing God as your boss who sees everything and also rewards everything. Amen? You, I, I know guys right now, they, they've been told they were going to get laid off, and they just kept on going. And instead of getting laid off, they got promoted, and they got raises. You're called to be the provider. You're supposed to provide for your family, not just financially, but spiritually, right? You're supposed to provide uh, training and, and, and direction and instruction to your kids, amen? You're supposed to provide security for your wife, Right? The second thing you're called to lead is you're called to lead her as a protector. Amen? Somebody breaks into the house, you need to whoop them. Come on, we don't have a problem with that as a man, right? I mean, we, we've already thought through the process. I catch that dude in my house. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, he ain't leaving, Jack. Right? I'm serious. He, if he gets in the house, it's over with. He walked in, but he's going to limp back, right? I mean, I've already played that scenario in my mind because I'm a hard sleeper. And if, if I get scared, like they don't tell him what's going to happen. I just hope I hit the right person. I got in a fight one time with a bunch of buddies. was in this real crowded bar room, and I had a little too much to drink, and we, we started fighting, and everybody was fighting around me. I was the only man standing, so I just started swinging. And I hit a couple of my guys and knocked them out. <laughs> I hope I don't do that. Just duck, baby. But you're called, you're called to lead as the protector, right? But not only physically, emotionally. You need to protect her heart. You need to protect her emotions. Come on, this is it gets complicated. Amen, men? It gets complicated. You got to get this. I got to do what with her emotions? You know how many of those there are? I'm like, come on, man. But you got to protect her. You got to protect her heart. There's times I look at Sharon and go, oh, no. Mm-mm. Is that right? You're not going to act like that. You're not going to say that. You're not going to feel that way. As pastors, there's a lot of insecurities that come my way. When people don't show up to church, you're like, you don't love me no more. I knew I should have preached better last week. You got to protect her. Amen. So you're called to be the provider. You're called to be the protector. Number three, you're called to be the pastor. Don't turn off yet. You don't have to go to school. Okay. <laughs> Some of you may went, Phew. you don't have to take an online course. You don't even have to really start studying. But you're called to be the pastor, the spiritual leader of your house. You're supposed to set the spiritual tempo of your house. Amen? You're supposed to line your kids up. 
You're supposed to keep them straight. Right? You're supposed to encourage them and love them just as the Lord loves you. Amen? Listen, I grew up without a daddy. We had our first kid. I, I got scared. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Honestly, I don't know what to do. I didn't have a good example. All the examples I had was five uncles who would just soon hit you and talk to you. I mean, they were ruthless and toothless people. And that's, all the, that's the only examples I really had growing up of a, of a man. And so I, I didn't want to blow it. I didn't want to raise my kids that way because I knew what I would get. I said, Lord, help me. You know what he told me? Do to your kids what I do to you. He's got to break it down real simple for me, okay? It's whatever I've done to you, you do to them. Okay. Wow, I took good notes on that one. I was like, whew, that's deep. In other words, don't holler at them. Have I hollered at you? Every time I blow up with my kids, you know what I hear the Holy Spirit say? I've never treated you like that. What you doing? How about put you in your place? You're called to be the pastor. We don't miss church, do we? Unless we take a vacation. We missed three weeks of church last year. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I believe what the scriptures say, and it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do. In other words, I like being around you folks. I really like you. I don't come here just to preach and let you listen to my ramblings and all that stuff. That's not why I'm here. I never missed church before I was a pastor. I want to be around other believers. I want to get my kids and my family around other believers. I want to build relationships with these kinds of people. Amen? I want to protect my kids from hanging out with the wrong kids. Because I remember what the wrong kids did to me. Amen? Well, everybody else is going to do it. Not everybody. Not you, Jack. Well, why not? Because I love you. I don't feel like love. Trust me, it's love. Right? Listen, my kids have caught attitudes with my wife before, and I've looked at them and threatened to take their life. I told one of them one time, I said, let me tell you something. She was here before you was. <laughs> Amen? I set the tempo in my house. I don't let junk come into my house. I regulate what goes on the TV. Right? I watch how my girls dress, and I don't have to worry about them. I mean, they're all, like, super modest, like their mama. And I'm like, you know, I'm always, anyway, I'm not going to go there, but. You follow me? They don't go sleep at anybody's house. You crazy? That's my girls. Even my boy. You I don't know them people. You hear what I'm saying? Because one day I'm going to stand before God and give account for my kids. While I had the opportunity to train them. Now once they leave the house, that's their business. Right? But if you train them in the way they go, the word of God says that they'll continue. I know sometimes kids go awry and they take off and they go crazy and you go, man, I blew it. I was good. I wasn't good. I was, I was no good. And that's not necessarily true. 
I know plenty of people that have loved their kids and trained their kids and taught them the way they were supposed to go. But honestly, some of them just go buck wild. I was one of those. But I came back. I came back. I ran, but I came back because I remember and I missed the love of God in my life. Amen? That my mom gave to me. My dad wasn't there. My mom gave it to me. That's what brought me back. My mom wouldn't let me. She wouldn't let me date girls so I was in high school. You know, I was in junior high. I got caught writing a love note to a girl. Man, I was in trouble. Of course, it was a bad note, but I was in trouble. My mom was known as the strictest mom in all of high school. And they might have a plaque of her in, in, in Franklin High somewhere. I don't know. But, but you know what? Looking back on life, I thank God for that. Because, man, there was a lot of opportunities around me. Listen, that was more than 10 or 12. How many years? 20 years ago. 10 or 12. That's wishful thinking. That was more than 20 years ago. I hate to be a teenage boy today. Girls back in my days, they had morals. Today, they're lacking. But that just says it even more. The man needs to be the pastor. He needs to be the protector. He needs to be the provider. Amen? You need to step it up even more today. You need to take your role and do what you're supposed to do. God's wired you to lead. Take charge and be the man he's called you to be. What if she fights back? So what? It's your job. It's not hers. Amen? It's yours. It's not hers. Let me finish this up real quick. Go to verse 8. I just want to read the rest of the story for you. So she wrote the letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with with his seal. Let me just give it to you like this. She basically invited Naboth to a party, and the party was in his name and in his honor, and they built him up, and she made two scoundrels sit across the table from him, and they falsely accused him of something, and then he was stoned to death. All right? So he was killed. Jezebel had him killed. So Jezebel comes home and she goes, okay, you sorry bum. Get up out the bed. He's dead. Go out there and act like a man and take your vineyard. You know what he did, huh? He got up here. Okay. <laughs> and he took off to go claim his vineyard. But let me tell you what God did. But the Lord said to Elijah, go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. Watch what the Lord says about this. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth? Who does God hold responsible? Who's that? The man. Who had him killed? Jezebel. Men, look at me. God holds you accountable. If he's ever going to deal with your family, he's going to talk to you. He's going to discipline you. You're the man. 
You're built to take it like a man. Amen? But you know, just as much as he's able and willing to come in and correct you and to do what he has to do and hold you responsible and accountable for being the man, he's also able to help you be that man. Amen? Just as much as he, he wants you to, to be straight and to be right and to do what you're supposed to do, he's also able to help you do that. He, we're talking about God here. He has the ability to take a weak man and make him stronger. He likes to use the woman to do that. Right? Ladies, you need to encourage your man to where he needs to be. You need to speak life over him. You need to hear some rumors that she's talking about you, man, in a good way. Right? And men, you just got to step into it. You just got to be it. It's simple. Just stand up and just walk into it. You can do it. You can do it. I don't know how. First step, stand up. Second step, take a step. Well, what about something big comes? Pray. Ask God. And do whatever God says to do. You can do it. She wants you to do it, men. Amen? This is just a freebie, but women get real nice when there's no pressure on them. All the women said, and all the men said, hmm. They get real nice when you take all that weight off of them. Amen? If that's not enough encouragement to lead, dear goodness. I mean, David went and slaughtered a giant just to get a girl. I mean, can you stand up with me this morning? You may be here and you may be a woman and you may be saying, you know what? I've got control issues. I don't know how to let go. I don't know how to step aside and and just let him do what he does. I don't know how to do that. We're going to pray for you this morning. Amen. You may be a man here and you know, you know how you are when you get home. You may be a passive man. And she may have taken the reins from you. And you may not know how to stand up. But you know what? Stand up. We're going to pray for you this morning. So I just want you to extend your hands towards heaven this morning in any way that you see fit. Lord, we come to you this morning and we we just pray. Father, I pray for all the men here who have areas in their life where they're passive. We all have areas, Lord. Help us to rise up and be the, the man of God that you've called us to be in those areas, Lord. May we be found one day with no weak areas in our life. May we lead our families as Christ led the church. May we love them as Christ loved the church. Help us to be graceful leaders, Lord. Help us to be great providers and great protectors and great pastors of our families, Lord. We don't know how to do it, Lord. We don't know how to take the first step, but Lord, I just pray that your grace would abound in our lives and that, Lord, we would just be able to take that first step and then just as a baby does, just continue to walk, Lord. 
And though we may stumble and though we may fall, we may skin our knees, Lord, I just pray that we'll get back up and we'll walk again, Lord. And Father, for the women here that are struggling, letting go of control and things have to be their way and it has to be a certain way. And Lord, I pray that you'll help them to let go of control. Teach our women, Lord, to pray and get out of the way and to keep on praying, Lord, understanding that it may take some time. It's not going to be overnight, Lord, but we just pray and thank you that men are going to rise up and that women are going to step into their place as a helpmate, a God-given position. It's a position of authority, Lord. Father, may our women be encouragers and may they, they strengthen the weak men, Lord. Be with our women, Lord. Be with our men. And for those that may be here and be single, Lord, and, and, and you're just, I just pray that this would just be encouragement for them. And that, Father, when you bring their number two to them, Lord, they'll know what to look for. And they'll know how to be themselves. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Seal this upon our hearts, Lord. Don't let the distractions of this world take it away. But, Father, help us to rise up and be who we're supposed to be. Because, Lord, that brings honor and glory to your name. It praises you. It honors you. And it... It testifies of your goodness, Lord. Help us to have great marriages, Father, in this church. Help us to be examples to this broken world, Lord, where marriages are falling apart all around us, Father. Help us to grab a hold of you and bring them back together, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this morning and all of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you sit down for just a moment? Getting ready to receive our tithes and offerings and just encourage you to be a giver.